Welcome to the Altruistic Traveller podcast, interviews with influential changemakers from around the world. That recycling is no longer sufficient to, to deal with these. That type of volunteering actually is proving to be more harmful. Trying to elevate poverty. I mean, they didn't see me that way. They seemed as a human being, someone who needs help. Be inspired, educated and moved by global initiatives making this world a better place. For more stories and resources, please visit thealtruistictraveler.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Altruistic Traveler podcast, stories that shape our future for the better. Today, I'm talking with Gonzalo Hall, a remote work consultant and evangelist who launched projects like the Remote Work Movement, the Future of Work Conference, Remote Portugal, and Remote Europe. His current project is the Digital Nomad Village, a village being developed in Ponta do Sol, Madeira, where Gonzalo is building a community of digital nomads focused on positive local impact and connections. Welcome to the show, Gonzalo. Hello, thank you so much for the invitation. Excited to be here. So great to have you. Uh, so how did you become so immersed into this remote work sector? <laughs> well, uh, I was always a nomad in my life, meaning when I was a kid, I was moving from school to school because I was always very curious on how is life on the other school. And then I start moving in university from city to city because I want to experience life in a different city. And then when I start working, I did the same working, but I found about digital nomadism and remote work seven, eight years ago. And it became my mission to become one, to use remote work to travel the world because I was always this curious to meet different places. And then I'm also very passionate about helping build other people. So I, I truly believe that remote work can be the tool that will unlock uh, a whole freedom world where any any person anywhere can have access to the right job and we can actually democratize the access to jobs and well it kind of became my mission with all these uh, remote work projects and now also with the nomad village creating this community so yeah just first the love for remote work as a tool to help other people and now uh, also building this amazing community and helping our community to find the right places to grow and to meet the other like-minded people yeah, amazing. So that sounds like a pretty, pretty big journey um, with being a nomad and discovering what it means to be a nomad. You've been working in the space for the past, you know, seven to eight years, you said. What do you feel has evolved in this space during that time? I think the development was being really slow until COVID. I mean, we see more and more, we were seeing more and more companies embracing remote work. We were seeing a growth on digital, the number of digital nomads across the world, but it was a steady growth. I think with COVID, what happened is that almost everyone that has a job that is in the computer don't need to be anymore in the, in the office like they used to be before. So now anyone can work remotely and where before before COVID, 10% of the people were remote workers, 10% of the digital nomads had a full-time job. Now that's not true. Here is more than 50%. So a huge growth on the employee side of digital nomadism, which makes me really, really happy because most people are actually risk-averse. And so it's, it's good that people with jobs can now travel the world and become nomads or just location independent. And I'm really happy for that. 
To be honest, that's the biggest change. We see more and more communities. Oh, and now we are welcomed by countries. Before, I remember people being kicked out from Chiang Mai two, three years ago because they were working from the co-working space. And now countries are fighting to attract digital nomads, which is quite ironic and it makes me really happy. And also, yeah, I think it's good to be part of that change and being pushing that change and bringing better conditions to our community. Yeah, it's really interesting how I've seen in an article recently the increase in countries that are offering digital nomad visas. And, you know, prior to this, I suppose there was always that gray area around, you know, whether or not people can be working in a specific country without a visa. Has the introduction of these nomad visas and this welcoming attitude kind of changed the way that people are perceiving the legalities of being a nomad? I think yes and no. For one side, you do feel that you are welcome in some countries because they went through the effort of creating this visa for you. On the other side, you still feel that you are somewhere in the middle because according to most laws, uh, in Europe it's three months, most places it's six months. If you spend three to six months in one place, legally you still sh- you should pay taxes there. But that's not what happens. Most nomads pay taxes in their own country or they set up their own economic structure. So it's still a gray area. We just feel that more countries are trying to fight and creating the right conditions for us. Uh, before you see places like Bansko, for example, with Matthias, he was an entrepreneur creating these conditions. And now you see governments trying to do the same. And I do think, although digital nomad visas are really, really interesting for most people, I think most countries are missing the biggest and most important part, which is community. It's completely pointless to have a good visa if you are not able to build a community. It's not the visa that attracts nomads, it's the community. So once we see also more countries after creating the visas focusing on community, then we will see a very interesting growth and we will see uh, the, the fight will be more equal because... To be honest, Portugal doesn't have a remote work or a digital nomad visa. We do have the communities and the people come to Portugal because they know that the community from Lisbon is strong. They know that the community from Edisaida is strong. They know now that the community in Madeira is quite strong. So nomads travel to communities. And once the governments understand that by themselves, they can only create the visas and the legal infrastructure, but they cannot create the communities, they will understand that they need help from local entrepreneurs and then the magic the magic will happen. Yeah, interesting. It's so great that you use that word community. So just a personal story for me, uh, pre-COVID, I was in Nepal and I had made the decision to leave Australia and I was actually on my way to Medellin in Colombia. The reason was not so much because I was a nomad and, and a remote worker, but because I was craving community. I knew that there was a really strong nomad community there and I had sort of said to myself, I'm going to go and spend three months in this new town and commit to staying in that town, not moving around, just because I was so attracted to the community there. So your words really resonate with me and um, I mean, due to COVID, I haven't been able to go on that journey but it's great to kind of see that you know the narrative is not so much around the remote work but rather building community so so you're currently involved in the creation of a digital nomad village in Madeira 
in, which is in Portugal for those listening. Uh, what has that experience been like for you? Amazing. So much better than I ever thought, to be honest. So I had this project for three years. I actually wrote the project for Italy, for a village in the mountains of Italy called Penavili. But the, the governments never embraced this project. And when I came to Madeira and I, I told them that they were missing out big time because this place is truly amazing, crazy, beautiful. The guys believed me. The Minister of Economy truly believed me and it was paying to see, which was really fun. And it's really good when you have the government back up and they are basically opening all the doors you need, paying you to create this community because they understand the benefits of having a community like this. So the exponential growth was completely insane. By now we have around 6,500 uh, registrations. People can go to the website, they, re they register, then we send them an email and they are added to our Slack community, which is where you can ask all the questions. People answer any questions you may have, visas, uh, accommodation, etc. And we are now in that point where community are building community, meaning it's other community members who are creating the event. It's the community members, uh, one community member in specific that is taking care of all the impact and making sure that we have a positive impact. So the project has been like, we are just three months in and it has been blowing my mind every day, not just by the numbers, which were completely insane. We're, we show up in CNN, uh, Washington Post, uh, Lonely Planet, pretty much everywhere. But the true feeling of community when you arrive here, you see people arriving here for the first time. And after a week, they are completely integrated. They go to the lunches, they go to the breakfast, they go drink poncha, which is the Madeiran drink, and they feel integrated. They are part of the community. So it's very beautiful to see that, for example, a, a woman that is alone and usually has a little bit more issues to set free in the community. And it's very easy. It's very easy here because there is a very good gender balance and people feel safe. And community helps you feel safe because you know that there are other people like you that are like-minded and that will help you if something goes wrong. So, yeah, just blowing my mind every day, to be honest. Like, there is not one day where people don't come to me and say, thank you so much for building this. This is incredible. I love this community. Wherever you go next, we are going with you. And as a community leader or someone who created a project, those are the most beautiful words that you can hear. If you, wherever you go, we will believe you, we will trust you, and we are going with you. So, yeah, better than I ever expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. I mean, in your talk around this uh, Nomad Village and your work in general, you focus on the positive impacts of these villages and this model, especially in the way of repopulating villages that are experiencing depopulation can you tell us a little bit more about the influence that this model has on these issues? Yeah, of course. I think we should see digital nomadism as the first step to something much bigger. Digital nomads are by nature usually early adopters, meaning if there is a new community or if there is a new place that the community finds interesting, it's this first step to something bigger. So what you see is digital nomads going to a place and then some digital nomads deciding to build a base there. So they buy a house, they really grow roots there, then they grow their business there. And the impact when you do this in villages instead of big cities, for example, a village in Madeira 
instead of Lisbon, the capital of Portugal, is that in Lisbon, 100 nomads have completely no meaning. But in a small village like Ponta do Sol, 100 nomads have a huge economic impact, but not just economic, but social as well. Like we are, a lot of these guys are specialists in what they do, from developers, design, uh, we have NGO leaders, we have people from the biggest companies like TransferWise, like Siemens, and these guys have a lot of knowledge. When you start integrated, integrating these remote workers that happen to be nomads into the local community, when you start to create workshops for the local community, the knowledge will pass to the community and they will understand there is more jobs besides tourism, which is a huge issue in places like Madeira, where most things are inside tourism, which is a very low uh, salary job. So the social part of educating the people is amazing. But then we have the whole other part, which is we can have impact with your money by staying in houses, by going to the local cafe, to the local restaurants. We have economic impact. By helping people uh, in the NGOs, for example, we are helping a dog shelter because the guys are really bad at marketing. And so we will help them. We will create the whole pictures for the dogs. We will walk the dogs. And we want to make sure that we have a positive impact with them and help them be more successful. We are planting 2021 trees. We are cleaning up the beaches. We are really good at helping. And Nomads Giving Back from Tarek are a big inspiration in this part of what we are doing. But we see the community here in Ponto Sol understanding and they are educated. And we really force this. People who come here are the people who want to have a positive local impact. This is not a place for partying, although there are parties. This is not a place just to hang out and go to the restaurant, although there are amazing restaurants. This is the community that if you want to come here, you should like about impact. You should like to meet the locals. You should enjoy uh, go to the beach and helping the beach clean up. You should enjoy helping an NGO with whatever are your skills. And this is what we are also promoting. We have to be conscious that there are a lot of new nomads, a lot of them. All these, like I'll say 40% of the people here are nomads for the first time and they choose Madeira because of the community. And so we have this responsibility now that there are so many new nomads, we that are doing this for a long time, to truly educate them from day one, to help them understand that they can have a local impact by understanding where they spend their money, by helping with their skills or one hour a day, just helping an NGO or helping a local. So this is really what we are trying to build here. Of course, very much inspired by Tarek and Nomad Giving Back and other NGOs as well. But we are having a blast helping local businesses and people are really happy and they really understand what we are trying to do. So also that really helped with integration of nomads and locals. And yeah, it has been great. I think that it's important to have those values at the foundation of your work and to kind of, you know, talk about this from day one because you are having people coming into a new community, foreigners coming into a new community. Do you work with the local people in kind of helping them to understand what you're trying to create or what has been, you know, I suppose going back, why would you choose a place like Madeira? And is there any interaction with locals to kind of understand, hey, is this something that you want? Is this something that you need? Uh, tell me a bit about that. 
So we really worked with the locals even before Nomad came here. So I signed the contract two months before we launched in February. I signed in December. And we basically went door to door in the local businesses to help explaining what we were doing here, why it was important, even how should they adapt. So for example, Madeira and Portugal are a very meat-heavy country. We eat a lot of meat. And no, nobody here, uh, no restaurant here had vegetarian options. Well, it looks like at least 25% of nomads are vegetarians or they prefer a plant-based diet. So we had to explain the local businesses that if they want to attract more nomads or if they want people to go there and eat there, they should have at least one vegetarian option, ideally one per day. And now they have. And we went, we, all our partners are locals, except uh, Nomadex and Nomads Giving Back. But all the partners here are locals. We have a local rent-a-car, uh, local cafes, local everything, which is quite good. And we really try to educate the people through the locals. Also, we did a workshop for the local accommodation owners to explain what the nomads want. So to help them adapt and the, the accommodation that was made for just short term and help them adapt for nomads, for example, upgrading the internet or putting a table on the share so we can work from home as well. So that part was really taken care of and we really focused in educating the locals and we did workshops for them, both for the hotels and the local house owners, but also for the restaurants and all the businesses around here. I'm still pushing for a really good cafe. We don't have a really good flat white in Madari yet. We are wait, waiting and taking care of it. Don't worry, we are working on it. But there is no really good flat white yet. And I love flat white. The issue is that Portuguese coffee costs 65 cents. Uh, so it's very hard to convince them that they can charge three euros for a flat white. But we are working on that. So there was all this education with the locals. About why Ponto do Sol, it's just a beautiful village, to be honest. It happened to be Ponto do Sol, but the idea of creating a community could, could have happened anywhere else. It's just, it's not about Ponto do Sol, it's about the community. Of course, don't get me wrong, this place is crazy beautiful. On my side, on my right side, I have banana trees. In front of me, I have the ocean. On my back, I have a huge forest where I can walk in the nature just five minutes from here. It's crazy beautiful. But it's about the community. Ponto do Sol really helps by being a very small village, very centralized, having really good restaurants, having actually a very good cafe where we can eat toast, we can eat tapas, etc. But it's about the community. And by being so small, and there is almost like a natural selection because we have more than 1,000 people in Ireland, just around 200 in the village, and there is no more space. We are completely full. The houses around here are completely full for 10 kilometers, which makes us really happy. And, well, that's what we did to, uh, to educate the locals. And Ponto do Sol just happened to be the perfect place. I think it was just destiny that brought us here. Yeah, wow. Well, it does sound like uh, it has been so well received. Do you ever feel that you get into a position where you've gone from underpopulation to overpopulation? Well, at least on uh, local uh, local houses, in local, we call it alojamento local, which is basically Airbnbs, yes. So we the Airbnbs that made the prices and adjusted to our market, they are completely full. I don't think there is overpopulation because, for example, we have a co-working space for free. And usually co-working space has around 40 people. So let's say 75% of the total. And people never come every day to the co-working space. You still have a lot of place to eat. So I think there is this natural selection because there is enough houses for the people we want to have here and to make it really welcoming 
and a strong community, but it also avoids to have overpopulation, not too many nomads. For example, in Changu Bali, I love it, but there is like way too many nomads, I would say 10,000 easily. While here, with 200, 250, you feel that the village is full enough and you feel that more people are not being able to come here or that it's hard to find a house here because most houses are taken or at least easy, these easy ones are taken. So I call it natural selection by now. <laughs> <laughs> Darwin. Do you find that many of the nomads there are quite transient? So what is the average time that people tend to want to stay? I mean, I know you've only been running for a few months, but uh, in your experience, what's the average time people tend to want to stay in a place like this? I see the trend to be two months, although we have people that are not leaving. So we have a, we have this, this this internal joke where people come here and say, oh, I'm staying for a week, that we know that in the second day they are postponing their flights. Uh, that nobody ever stayed for a month. The minimum we had was two months and people had to go back to their country, like Germany, for example. But that, so I would say the average of nomads is two months. But we do have a surprising amount of people that came for one month and will stay until the end of the project, or at least until the end of this first project by, on the end of June. Yeah, amazing. I think one of the positive things about your model as well is that it might combat the issue that we have with seasonal tourism so you know people tend to flock to europe in the summer months do you feel that because you're offering such a broad range of experiences that maybe it would be something that would entice people to come all seasons of the year we are closing down and that the reason why the, this project will end in june is because we acknowledge that the high season here is july and august and mid-september so we want to be closed during that time on purpose to allow the locals to make more money with uh, Airbnb, to be honest. It's a strategy to be open only on the low season or low, medium season. There is not truly a low season in Madara. Well, so let's say medium season. So the idea will be always to have Madara, at least this side of the islands, open from late September until the end of June and allow the locals to make more money during the high season, but then making sure they have all the houses and all the businesses full all year around. Economically, it makes completely sense. I think we will see even the, the hotels starting to adopt this business model, having 20% of the beds occupied by remote workers during the low season, paying less, but also making sure they have enough revenue to keep the doors open throughout the winter. And the first ones to adapt will win, as always, natural selection again. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that will happen. I think we will see nomads moving around through low seasons and avoiding tourists like we always did. And we go to cheaper places during the high season, for example, summer, probably will go to places like Central Europe, places like... I don't know, anywhere that's not crowded with tourists and we can have a good quality of life, decent prices, and we can still have a positive impact. So it's very important also to do this in villages because of the reason we mentioned before, but it's also important to respect the high season and make sure we also allow the locals to make more money in this, uh, in this high season and we come to help during the low season. This is how I see it at least. Yeah, I think that is extremely fair and I'm so glad you brought that up because, yeah, I, I had no idea that that was the model and it really seems that you're working for the best interest of the local people. What do you think makes this model so successful? You mentioned that you've been getting quite a lot of interest in this model. What do you think are the points that make this so successful? 
Well, it's always community first. It's always humans first. I think we were missing a more human approach to what is remote work and digital nomadism. Even if you are looking to companies, it's not about applying remote work. It's about applying a human-centering approach to remote work. So if we come and we are visitors in Madeira, and if we respect the locals, if we understand how they work, how we can help, how we can help with our money, help with our knowledge. I think that's the secret of success, just being very balanced. Don't try to come here and take tourists and say, no, no, now nomads are the future. Nomads are part of the future, but mass tourism is not going away anytime soon. Uh, We are just part of the solution. So I think that's what we want to do. Always try to understand that that's in the destinations, being Madeira, being other places like Cape Verde, like Croatia. Uh, trying to understand destinations, trying to understand where we can go, how we can help, what should be our priorities, understand the locals, how we can help the locals with our digital nomadism, our people, and try to build a good plan for them. So what works in Madeira can be totally different from what works in Cape Verde in Africa, which is completely different what would work in Cambodia, for example. Uh, we really need to understand each place and build a human-centric approach for this community and for the locals. Yeah, beautiful. I'm very excited about this. I mean, I haven't Thank been you. able to travel for a while, but this is uh, certainly, it, it piques my interest. Um, so, yeah, you've created a pretty big name for yourself in the remote work community and very interested and proud of your work. What is next for you? I really want to replicate this in different places in the world. So we, I kind of proved the point that we had this idea for a while and this is this is not new this is just a con- what i built here is just a connection of the great work of different people inside the community like matias in bansco amazing amazing work nacho in nacho rodriguez in las palmas amazing work promoting las palmas uh, even in bali uh, dave and the other guys from uh, from the co-working space like really cool work i just gather what i learned from them and built it in a different place uh, with my vision. So next is basically replicating the model in different places. I'm quite excited for trying to use digital nomadism and remote work to completely change an African country for the better. So I'm really almost signing the next uh, the next place. I'll keep working with Madero for the next years. Uh, but I'm also really excited for in the future to try to understand if we can use, and I'm sure we can, but try to understand how long it will take to change a whole African country economy uh, to make sure that the people are educated, people can work remotely, that digital nomads are bringing the money in, that we can build a community in these very exotic places. And I really believe that we can change the whole economy of a country in three to five years. So that will be my next challenge. Worst case scenario, I fail. But uh, it will be fun to try and try to change the economy for the better and the whole country for the better. So hopefully that will be my next challenge. Amazing. Well, I look forward to following your journey. How can my listeners uh, follow your work and support what you do? Well, uh, the best place to connect with me is always LinkedIn. Is where I share more my opinions and my vision of the world and what I'm doing. So just search for my name, Gonzalo Hall. Uh, Gonzu Hall in, on Instagram. And if you want to know more about Madara, just Google Digital Nomads Madara and I'm sure you'll find out our website, which is digitalnomads.startupmadara.eu. And yeah, whatever you hit Gonzalo Hall, it will give you something because there is only one. Not because I'm famous, but there is only one which really helps. It is a very unique name. 
Well, thank yes. you so much uh, for coming on the show today. For everyone listening, you can find all the information that Gonzalo has spoken about in the information linked below. Please follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Thanks so much, Gonzalo. It's great to speak with you. Thank you so much, Bianca, for the invitation and all the luck for the future. I'm sure you're doing great, but I can't wait to hear also your other guests in the future. Thank you.